0: I mean, really, there's no country in the world that's got inflation anywhere near these levels. You don't see that anywhere else in the world right now.
1: Hello and welcome back to Bloomberg Benchmark, a show about the global economy and a very happy new year to all of our listeners and fans. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg News in Washington. Today, I'm flying solo as your host because Dan and Kate were unable to be with us, but I'm very glad to have my colleague, David Papadopoulos, a managing editor at Bloomberg in New York, joining me today for the show. Hey, David, how's it going?
0: Excellent, Scott.
1: Economics, in one sense of the word, is what we call the tracking of the blizzard of indexes that we get on a regular basis all over the world to uh, track the relative strength of different economies uh, covers everything from GDP to the labor market to international trade and and also whether prices are rising or falling and it's that last measure that we are here to discuss today. The country is Venezuela and the index is something we created all by ourselves it's called the Café Con Leche Index. Yes,
0: yeah, Scott. So uh, unlike most inflation indexes, this one isn't exactly scientific. Um, it tracks just one product—a single cup of coffee served piping hot at a bakery in Eastern Caracas, uh, the capital of Venezuela. Wait. Yet the index plugs a gap uh, in. Inflation is rising so fast in Venezuela and the government is so embarrassed by the pace of price increases that it stopped publishing the data a long time ago. Uh so and the drum roll please. Excellent drum roll, Scott. As of this week our cafe con leche index reached 849%. That Ouch. is the annualized inflation rate we have uh, from the index. Now, we don't have a full year's worth of data yet um, on the price of coffee in our index. But since we began collecting the figures back in August, we've seen massive back-to-back-to-back price increases in just a, a span of several weeks in some occasions.
1: And that that's compared with what, like, 2%, just under 2% really right now in the U.S., and you had inflation peaking at 15% in 1980.
0: Yeah, and and beyond the U.S., Scott, I mean, really, there's no country in the world that's got inflation anywhere near these levels right now. Hyperinflation, of course, there have been plenty of episodes in the past where hyperinflation was kind of in vogue, I mean, in the bad sense of the word. You know, that you, you had hyperinflationary bouts in other places. You don't see that anywhere else in the world right now
1: uh Steve Hankey of Johns Hopkins University has kept track of this and nothing remotely compares with Hungary in uh, 1945 to 46 which get this it hit a monthly rate of 42 quadrillion percent which means prices doubling every 15 hours. Do do we ever use quadrillion? No, I don't, I don't even know what
0: mathematically that would look like, that number. It was, it was 10 to the
1: 16th power. Wow. Um, you know, got Germany's Weimar Republic in the 1920s hit a mere 29,500 percent, which is, you know, it, it's nothing, even though that's held out as the main example. In, in recent years, uh, Zimbabwe has often made headlines with its hyperinflation. About 10 years ago, that was at, oh, 80 billion percent.
0: Now we're going to get an on-the-ground perspective of this issue. Joining us on the phone is Fabiola Serpa, a correspondent in our Caracas Bureau who has helped get these regular updates for the Café con Leche Index. Fabiola, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me here.
1: So what does a Café con Leche cost right now in Venezuela?
2: Mm, Venezuela has two sets of prices. One is uh, due to... To the official exchange rate and the other, the unofficial exchange rate. So the prices vary a lot. So, um, by the official exchange rate, you can buy a cup of ca- café con leche, a café or a cup of coffee for $1.63. That's the official exchange rate, that it's around 670 bolivars per dollar. But if you, if you compare it to unofficial rate, it's about $0.35, cents, uh, the cup of coffee. So um, Because the, the unofficial rate is around 3,200 bolivares per dollar. So that gives you uh, the whole view of the difference of prices of uh, coffee con leche here.
1: So when it comes to the actual hit to somebody's pocket... What does it feel like for people in Venezuela? Is it the thirty-two cents or is it the dollar sixty?
2: Uh, well, people in Venezuela uh, here have stopped uh, consuming cafe con leche because it, it's very the, the price go prices go up every two months as the index shows. So um, a cup of coffee is really a luxury here.
1: Is there any way, David, to kind of put in perspective what? what this means in someone's wallet in Venezuela with the scarcity, like just a regular cup of coffee at Starbucks here costs $2. You can, you can spend a few dollars if you right. want something more complicated, like a latte and other drinks. Right. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. Here? So
0: in our, Index we have, and this is actually a price that uh, Fabiola gets from uh, from a cafe, a bakery in Eastern Caracas. Uh, we have it at roughly one thousand one hundred bolivars, and, and and for a little bit of perspective on that, one thousand one hundred bolivars, I. Believe is uh, is a very significant, actually, chunk of what the the essentially the minimum wage would be in Venezuela. Fabiola, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the minimum wage, when you include um, food subsidies and everything that people get, is something like what 130,000 bolivars a month. Is that right? What's the exact? Yes, name?
2: That, that's correct. That's the latest uh, figure. Okay, so
0: yeah. when, when you when you're for and and there are many folks who would be around that minimum wage number. You're making 130,000 bolivars a month and one cup of coffee uh, is one thousand one hundred bolivars. Uh, it's a significant amount of money. So Scott, in other words, it's like one
1: percent of your, yeah. your your monthly expenses. So if, kinda, exactly. So if you on and a I, day that you do in one day
0: exactly, and if you or I, were, you or I were to show up in Venezuela uh, and and you know most people, frankly, buy and sell dollars in the black market, it would be pennies for us. It would be insignificant. But if you are Venezuelan. Earning in Bolivars, the local currency, yeah, it's suddenly become prohibitively expensive.
1: So has business gotten a lot slower, Fabiola, at places that you know that sell cafe con leche, those kind of cafes? Uh,
2: cafe con leche was usually what you got in the morning. You stopped at the local bakery and, and got a, a cup of coffee and um, something to eat uh, very fast. But uh, nowadays, uh, the bakeries, you know, they, they're not selling very much café con leche. They're very, uh, it's become a luxury to the Venezuelans. But
1: have any of those places had to close?
2: No, 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 not to close because uh, they, they sell all the things. But, um, you know, the, the, the really uh, complex thing about the café con leche is that it's a product made of the staples that are, are very scarce here in Venezuela. Uh, with the current crisis, uh, it's sugar, uh, milk, and coffee, and those are the three staples that we, Venezuela has to import these days. For instance, um, back in ten ten years ago, we were self-sufficient in uh, milk and coffee and sugar, but nowadays uh, we have to import roughly seventy-five uh, percent of the coffee we we consume. That is a that's it's a very uh, big dramatic change for the. The, the Café con Leche here as a, as a staple, as David said uh, at the beginning.
0: My thought was that you know what I remember when I lived in Venezuela uh, in the 1990s, actually right up to the time Hugo Chavez uh, took office in 1999, that you'd you'd walk into any one of these bakeries and the, the cafe con leche was just something that just they just moved massive quantities of. It was almost kind of like a loss leader, right? It was helped it was what you did you sold to help get people in the door, and then they were in the door, they bought a cafe con leche and they bought a they bought a loaf of Venezuelan bread, and then they oh, they would see something else and something else and something else, and it, it, you know it was just something that just sort of helped churn. You you would turn massive volumes and you really get the sense that, yeah, that that is slowed quite a bit. So, are we going to
1: have to change this index pretty soon uh-huh. if, if nobody's, if nobody's <laughs> buying café well, con leche? Well,
0: you know, Fabiola and I will certainly think about it. I think the issue you have is that I don't know that people are consuming much of anything. <laughs> so, uh, we would start to uh, have to think hard about uh, what we would latch on to if it weren't café con leche.
1: Well, well, maybe Fabiola can talk about, you know, what about other basic goods in Venezuela? I mean, how are people, can we measure inflation by their prices, or how are people paying for them? Are they fixed prices? And, and how does how does that work?
2: As I said before, it's like two a, a two-dimensional economy because you have fixed prices. The government uh, has set prices for um, staples like sugar, coffee, milk, uh, meat, but you can also find those staples at an at, uh, official rate so you have like two economies and um yes these staples sugar coffee and milk so they're they they have hit the ceiling i mean and, and they're very very uh, scarce and uh, you have to uh, queue uh, a lot to get uh, coffee these staples on the fixed price if you want if you can't afford to queue for 5 hours for 3 hours or you just can't find them in in, in your neighborhood, or uh, you have to buy them at an official rate. So um, yes, you, you can measure inflation uh, by these staples like flour, corn flour. Uh, they are going up every every month if you measured it by the official rate. But the fixed prices of the government, and they have to they have been adjusting these tables uh, every three to four months in the last uh, year that that's, uh, that's uh, it's a two world economy two prices uh, you see on on every product
1: now one puzzle for a lot of us outside Venezuela and the outside looking in is you know things have been in such bad shape now for some time. Uh, But we wonder why uh, Mr. Maduro continues to remain in power. You know, at what point does... You know, does the pressure become so overwhelming that there is some kind of political regime change in Venezuela?
0: Right. Well, Scott, that's kind of the, the million-dollar question. And that's something that folks have been asking for an awful long time. I mean, I, you know, I was recalling the other day that, you know, his predecessor, Hugo Chavez, the man who essentially uh, handpicked Mr. Maduro to, to, to run the country and succeed him— um, you know there was a, there was the the, the scuttlebutt in Caracas back in the late '90s when Chavez was taking office that oh that he was going his administration was going to collapse imminently at any point in time and that he was going to be impeached immediately and here we are twenty years later and uh and and the and the regime as it's to be understood uh with Mr Maduro succeeding him is still there uh, I mean I think it is a head scratcher even for a lot of Venezuelans um because when you look at just how bad things are how dysfunctional that place has become. Uh, it, it's hard to understand uh, how they're holding on. I will say this: that there has been a big push to recall the president. Uh, they, the, the the opposition certainly has gathered enough signatures to make that happen, but but the government has put up one obstacle after another uh, after another to block it. And uh, you're in this sort of holding pattern uh, that we've seen, frankly, for for a pretty long time.
1: And is the country still able to sell oil, or has that stopped too? It does.
0: It does. Uh, Oil production is down. Exports are down, but it still does uh, export. Uh, I believe it's producing. I mean, again, there are no official figures, really, but estimates would put it in the ballpark of two and a half million, I believe, barrels a day. You know, before uh, Mr. Chavez took office in the late 90s, the vision of the previous administration was to ramp up output to somewhere around 5 million barrels or so plus. This is a country with the world's largest oil reserves, and yet all we've seen, unfortunately, over the past two decades, certainly unfortunate for the Venezuelan people who are now becoming deeply impoverished, is declining output.
1: So Fabiola, you know, if you had to sum up the mood of people uh, that you talk to on a regular basis or um, people around Caracas around Venezuela, looking at how, uh, you know, how how much the economy has sunk, how much inflation is growing. What would you say?
2: Well, if you asked me that question about six months ago, people were very angry. I mean, up until December, very angry at the situation, very frustrated, uh, but in more and more openly talking against the government, at every corner, at every street, Um, in contrast to a year or two years ago, where people uh, did not connect the bad shape of the economy to the uh, running of the politics. Uh, But nowadays, after, well, the major blow at December that there was not going to be a referendum, um, the the mood in the streets is very depressed. People are very sad. The mood is pretty uh, low, um, in contrast to three months ago, where um, many Venezuelans thought the referendum recall was going to happen some way, and there were demonstrations in the streets, And but um, and slowly the government curtailed um, that possibility. Uh, the high court ruled against it, so um, the mood is very um, sad, I mean... Um, That's how I perceive it today.
1: Well, doesn't sound like a good situation by any means, but Fabiola, we will definitely uh, look forward to your reporting in the coming months uh, on the situation there. Thanks so much for joining us, Fabiola. Perfect. Thank you. And thank you, David, for joining us too. My pleasure. Benchmark will be back next week, and until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocketcast, Stitcher, and the Revamped Bloomberg app. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. Let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at, at ScottLandman. Uh, our guest Fabiola is at, at Z-E-R-P-I-U-S. And uh, just one final note, Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. The head of Bloomberg Podcasts is Alec McCabe. Thanks for listening. See you next time.